Hi, welcome to Things in Jars, a podcast about oddities, curiosities, and all the weird and wonderful stuff that dwells in museum stores. I'm Melissa. And I'm Poppy, and we're both curators, here to take you behind the scenes of the museum with us as we explore cool artefacts and answer your questions about what it's really like to work in a museum. Welcome to this week's episode of Things in Jars. And today we are talking about a very particular type of object. We are taking mirrors as our theme for this week. And I actually have really enjoyed this approach of choosing a very specific type of object. I think this has been fun. It's been fun, but it was quite hard. Do you think? Yeah. I guess it wasn't actually that much harder than other weeks. But it was hard for Words with Grasmere because the pickings were slim. Did you just do the thing where you just typed mirror yeah. into the search box? Me too. <laughs> what else would I do? It was slim, but I'm sure we'll, we'll have something to mention. And I believe it's your item spotlight this week. So what have you got for us? I have for you the vegetable lamb. What? <laughs> the vegetable lamb. Okay. (laughs) Sounds great. Before we get into the rest of the episode, we'd just like to clarify that opinions expressed in this show are our own and Things in Jars is not affiliated with the museum in which we work, although we will be referring a lot to its wonderful collection. starting as always with Wordsworth Grasmere and I feel like perhaps we should just give a reminder to any new listeners of the podcast or anyone who perhaps is just starting out with us that the reason why we talk about Wordsworth Grasmere's collection so much is because that is where Poppy and I work. We work with this collection, we know it well, we love it and it contains many and unexpected items. That's why we always start with Wordsworth Grasmere. So Poppy, what did you find in your searches for mirrors, looking glasses, reflections? <laughs> in my searches for all of those things, I was kind of unsuccessful. So oh. when the catalogue search threw up very few responses, I turned to my old reliable, Dorothy Wordsworth's Grasmere Journal. And I'm sure you've done the same, which is why you're looking you know. at that. No, okay. I haven't done that. Okay. Well... I'm going to keep it really short and sweet, and I'm going to read you an entry from Dorothy's journal from Saturday the 23rd of October, 1802. She writes, Mary was baking. I walked with William to see Langdale, Bridal, and the foot of Grasmere. We had a heavenly walk, but I came home in the toothache and have since that day been confined upstairs. Till now, namely, Saturday the 30th of October, 1802. William is gone to Keswick. Mary went with him to the top of the rays. She has returned and is now sitting near me by the fire. It is a breathless grey day that leaves the golden woods of autumn quiet in their own tranquillity. Stately and beautiful in their decaying, the lake is a perfect mirror. Ah, And that's it. And there we have it. Lovely. So actually she writes that on Saturday the 30th of October. She begins it on 
Saturday the 23rd and then picks up a week later on Saturday the 30th. And Saturday the 30th also has a separate entry, which is very confusing. What are you doing, Dorothy? Yeah, what's she doing? What are you doing? Has she really been in bed with a toothache for a whole week? So, what have you got if it's not a journal entry? It's not. It's an actual mirror that was a gift to Dorothy from her dear friend Lady Beaumont. And there's really nothing much to say about this mirror other than it's a a very simple, nice-looking dressing table mirror. It's on a stand with three nice little drawers. But the reason why I like this is because it used to be out on display in our reading room. And I always used to look in it and used to have that weird feeling of thinking about how it must have been when Dorothy looked into it and it reflected her face back at her and now I'm looking at it and it reflects my face back. I just always used to find that quite like one of those surreal moments where you could really imagine this mirror has seen many faces over the years and at one point it was Dorothy's face and now it's my face. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. And it is weird, you're right. It's so weird. It's the beauty of museum work. (laughs) Oh yes, the things we do to entertain ourselves at work. But um, I can also see why mirrors are are such are so often used as as kind of portals. You know, in like in stories of magic, they are they take you to another time or another place. I can really see why that is. When I look into Dorothy's mirror from Lady Beaumont. So before we start, Poppy and I play this game sometimes where, in advance of the episode, we ask each other to send an emoji to give a hint of what our object is about, mainly because we like to try and check that we haven't picked the same thing without revealing what it is. Yeah. So I didn't actually ask you to send me one today, did I? I asked you to send me one. Yeah, you asked me to send you one. Yeah, you you never ask me to send you one. It's always me oh, saying sorry. to you. Oh. That's all right. It's okay. I don't mind. I don't play the game. Melissa only... doesn't play. Melissa just takes. I just respond. I'm sorry, everyone. Well, perhaps I'll ask Poppy next time and tell you what she sends. But I sent Poppy the angel emoji. Which confused me. No end. Mm. And initially I was like, okay, yeah, we're safe. And then I came across a quote as I was rereading mine to get it, you know ready in my head and it suddenly crept upon me that maybe we were looking at the same thing after all but then we talked about it some more and I don't think we've got the same thing I don't think so So it's been a roller coaster this evening (laughs) and we're about to find out if the roller coaster is a good one or a bad one I think it's a good one I think we're safe so the object I have chosen is John Dee's spirit mirror. This is a black spirit mirror that is thought to have belonged to John Dee, who was the Elizabethan magician, astrologer, and mathematician. And he was alive from 1527 to 1608 or 9. Not quite sure which. And this mirror particularly was used as a showstone And it helped him carry out research and commune with the world of spirits. So at a first glance, 
when I saw this, it doesn't really look like anything super remarkable. I don't know about you, but when I think of a spirit mirror, I think of like a really ornate kind of, I don't know, something really sort of fancy and dark looking. And and this is, this is dark looking, but it's just very simple, very, very plain. It looks like, when I first saw it, it looked a little bit like a tag that you get on a dog collar, <laughs> you know, like the little circle with the loop yeah. in the top, but it's not. <laughs> and it, and it looks quite thick. Um, so what it's made of is obsidian, which sounds cool, or volcanic glass. And so it's black and its surface has been polished. So it's very, very, very smooth and therefore can reflect. Um, although there's a few scratches on it on the British Museum record. So it has seen some damage over the years. So John Dee worked with a medium and convicted criminal called Edward Kelly to summon visions of angels into the mirror's reflective surface. That's what he was trying to do. And I'm not sure if he ever achieved great success uh, with that, but that, that is what he intended. So to just tell you a little bit more about John Dee, he was the court astronomer for an advisor to Elizabeth I. And he, in his early life, he, he kind of quickly became recognised as a very intelligent man. He was a fellow of Trinity College in Cambridge. And he started to become known for his magician-like abilities, apparently when he produced at Trinity um, a production of Aristophanes' piece and the stage effects that he did for that um, gave him this reputation as a magician. And he travelled throughout Europe and he met other mathematicians and scholars and learned more about maths and astronomy. And I think what he believed was was magic, I read somewhere that kind of said the, the boundaries between, or the lines between magic and science were very much blurred. And today what we would think, what he thought of as magic, we would think of as more science. But obviously back then, we didn't know anywhere near as much as we know now. So it could seem like magic. Um, he had a reputation at the Tudor court, but it was a bit up and down. So, for example, in 1555, he was charged with the crime of calculating because he had cast horoscopes of Queen Mary and Princess Elizabeth. And he was actually charged for treason against Mary, but somehow he managed to get get away with that and continued in his work. And then by the time Elizabeth succeeded to the throne in 1558, he became her astrological and scientific advisor. And he chose her coronation date. Ooh, no Ooh. pressure. And actually, this is what I kind of like the most about John Dee. He, in 1556, he presented Queen Mary with this kind of vision plan, visionary plan for preserving books and manuscripts. And he wanted to create a kind of like a national library. But Mary said no. Oh, Mary said no. So instead he expanded his personal library in Mortlake. Isn't that such a cool name? Mortlake. Love that. Yeah. Sounds dark and sinister. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? That's why I like it. It sounds creepy. So he acquired hundreds of books and manuscripts and he had the greatest library in England. And then later on in his life, royal favour seemed to fade a little bit. So he turned his attention 
Evermortal Sorcery, which is when he supposedly started to use this mirror to make communication with angels. He travelled throughout Europe. And then at one point, he met with Emperor Rudolf II in Prague Castle, who you may remember from a few episodes ago when we talked about the Golden Lane. Oh! With the alchemists. Oh! Those guys just hanging out in the 16th oh. century. Wow. The world is small. The jar's very world small. is very small. Very small. Um, and then, sadly for John Dee, his life didn't end with much success or splendour. So when he returned to England after his travels, his home and library had been vandalised. He... Um, did return to the Queen's service, but he was turned away when she died and succeeded by James I, who didn't really want anything to do with him. And he died in poverty, and his grave site is unknown. Oh, gosh. Sad times. Poor John But Dee. his legacy lives on. He apparently is thought to have been the inspiration for Shakespeare's Prospero from The Tempest. And also the kind of model of this uh, magician slash scientist who kind of overreaches and pushes the boundaries of art and magic um, for potentially dangerous means. So the model of Faust and Mephistopheles, for example, I, I think has been kind of linked to his figure as well. So he has a lasting legacy. So there we have it. That's so spirit cool. spirit mirror. So who knows if he ever looked in that and actually saw... An angel? Dorothy Wordsworth, maybe? No. <laughs> far, far too ahead yeah, of her a bit time. too early for... <laughs> Unless he looked Dorothy into the future. Face. <laughs> maybe he was. Maybe he was able to do that. But that would be another mirror I'd be really, really, really interested to look into because, like, the faces from years and centuries before looked into that mirror. Yeah. And then I'm... I'm looking in that mirror. I just find I can't get over it. <laughs> you might see an angel or two. I might. You might an have an angel. Gift. Yeah. I might. I might. We must go to the British Museum. I must look in the mirror. And demand to see the mirror. If you were to send me an emoji... Oh, okay. We what, would, what would it be? Yeah, now now I want to play the game. So what would it be? <laughs> okay, nice to be asked. Um, <gasps> sorry, everyone. Please excuse me while I go and recover from that savage burn. I'm Ouch. joking. I'm not serious. Okay, well, since you've asked, the emoji I would use to describe my story is the shiny red apple. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Okay. Anyone got any guesses? I mean, there's there's a there's a pretty major link going on here. Yep, and you'd be right. I am delighted to share with you the story of the real life magic mirror on the wall. Oh, who's my. the fairest one of all? Goodness. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? And we shall find out. Because there was a girl believed to have inspired the story of Snow White. 
Really? Yeah. Of course, the Grimm brothers had to take inspiration from somewhere. And popular belief has it that there are two candidates who could be the girl-inspired Snow White. And I'm going to tell you about one of them, who seems to fit the bill pretty well. It's pretty amazing how all of the elements of the story come together. So who was Snow White? She is believed to have been a girl called Maria Sophia Margaretha Katharina Baroness von Erthel. And she was born in 1725 in Bavaria, in Germany, specifically in a region called Lohr am Main. I hope I'm saying that right. And her father was very important in aristocratic circles. So he worked for the prince and he was a special ambassador and sort of foreign minister type person. So he mixed with all of the very tip-top society circles and mingled with the princes and the nobles and the barons and things like that. Um, So he was kind of viewed as a very important sort of king-like figure himself. And Maria and her father lived from Maria's birth in the prince's castle. So already she's being constructed as this kind of princess figure, even though she's not actually a princess. Um, she is characterised as being absolutely, like, just pure loveliness. And the reason I panicked when you sent me the angel emoji was because in this um, article from the Spessart Museum, which is the museum that holds the magic mirror, they quote... Maria was supposed to be an angel of mercy and kindness. Oh, so I see. When you sent me that, I, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. As also happens in the Grimm story and in the Disney film, Snow White's mother dies and her father remarries. And he does not marry a nice woman, by all accounts. There's not really any details online about the character of this second wife, but she's certainly not kind of presented to be very nice. Her name was Claudia Elizabeth Maria von Wenigen, and she was an imperial countess of Reichenstein. Reichenstein? Anyway, she was important. And she was quite close to Maria in age. And the mirror, the magic mirror from the Grim Fairy Tale, from the Disney film, that is believed to have been a gift from Maria's father to his second wife and it hangs in the castle where this story is set as in where Maria Snow White was born and this is where it gets really interesting because the region the Lohr region Lohr am Main is famous for mirrors they're renowned for glasswork and they are famous for creating these really beautiful really intricate mirrors and these were known as the talking mirrors. <gasps> because they were so heavily decorated, people would say that they always spoke the truth. And inlaid into the decoration of the mirror are little phrases. So in this one, it says, Amour propre. Absolutely terrible French, I'm very sorry. But basically it means self-love. And so it's kind of saying that reflected in this mirror is this the stepmother's sort of pride, her jealousy, yeah. her self-love, her conceit, if you will. And that, I guess, ties into the phrase, magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Because she needs yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, she needs to be the most beautiful. She's vain. Which is really cool. And they have all kinds of sayings on them. So they would have little tiny 
etched inscriptions in them. Another one, I can't tell if it's from this mirror in the castle or if it's just another example of this kind of mirror with the sayings etched into them. Elle brille à la lumière, meaning she is such a beauty in French. So that's pretty good evidence. Oh, and one more thing about the, the mirror is that they were magic, not in the sense of having spirits or sorcery kind of attached to them, but they were, they would echo voices because they were made of this kind of glass that would reflect sound back as well. So if the woman was talking at the mirror saying who's the fairest of them all or who's the most beautiful, it would echo back at her. <gasps> so that's also where the talkingness comes in. That's so it's cool. pretty cool. So there's all these like, layers of meaning. But with the, the region of Spessart, I'm really butchering all these pronunciations and I hope the geography <laughs> is is right and I'm getting kind of all the, the different areas right. But um within this region as well that the that the Snow White story is said to originate from, they were famous for glasswork as in mirrors, and they were also famous for glasswork and just glass production. And if you remember, in the Tale of Snow White, she has a glass coffin. <gasps> yes! So that is seen as more evidence that it could be based on the story of this, this girl, this Maria girl. Um, if you visit this region in Germany, you can follow Snow White's trail. And that is said to be from when she fled the castle to escape her evil stepmother because she knew she would never be free if she stayed in the area of her birth. Um, she flees and she, it goes over the hills towards a very famous mining area. Um, oh, stop. I'm sorry, I know. <laughs> Just keeps coming. Yeah, it's also, not only is it famous for glass, for mirrors, it's famous for having a rich mining history. And the mines were so narrow that only tiny adults or actual children were able to work in them. And because of the risk of collapse in the mines, they all had to wear brightly coloured hats so that bodies could be identified through the rubble if the worst were to happen. And that, my friends, also occurs in the Disney film as the seven dwarfs are wearing brightly coloured hats. <laughs> and the final detail oh my to my TED talk is the poison apple. How could we forget? Well, How well, well, we? well. In this story, Maria does not die from poisoning. That is the one area where this is not so strong. Um, but poison was also known to the area because the belladonna plant grows in abundance. Oh, which we know about. Which we, we do know, know about, about that belladonna plant. Which we know about. So, thankfully, this, this Maria did not succumb. She had a, a kind of sad life, though. Apparently she died in a convent. Um, she was quite old and she was also from, I guess, I'm guessing from kind of early early childhood. She'd been going blind. Um, and the reason I found this story, actually, I found the Magic Mirror, was because I found an article about Snow White's gravestone, which is in this region. And it's believed to be the gravestone of the woman who inspired Snow White. And that sent me down this rabbit hole. So, that was Mirror, Mirror on the Wall from Prince Elector's Castle which I think is now Spessart Museum in the Law Castle in Bavaria. I also really want to go to this region now. Yeah. I really, I really want to walk the Snow White path. I, I want to go see, see the magic, magic mirror. mirror. I want to talk at the magic mirror and have it talk back to me. <laughs> and you can imagine your face in it. 
Just as the faces of people from centuries before. Faces of maybe even the real Snow White have looked into. Yes, Poppy. Yeah. Only I See, I'm catching on. That's all I want to do from now on. Just look in ancient mirrors and imagine all the people that have looked in them. We've established that. I want to be a full-time mirror gazer. (laughs) (laughs) Pay me to stare into your mirrors. (laughs) (sighs) Let me imagine who has looked upon them. Ah, yes, that's that would be a nice job, wouldn't it? Mirror looker. Mirror looker. Shall we advertise for one and see who applies? Gazing wistfully. (laughs) Job description. (laughs) (laughs) Must have hands or appropriate appendage to hold mirror. (laughs) Must be willing to stand for hours on end in front of mirror. Or sit. Must have eyes to look into mirror. Must have keen interest in Mirrors. mirror history and <laughs> oneself. <laughs> Narcissism preferred but not essential. Mm-hmm. Must be willing to develop narcissism if not already in possession of. <sighs> Must be thoughtful, <laughs> pensive, mm. reflective. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mirror's job. It's now time for the item spotlight of the week. And we are going to be finding out about vegetable lambs. The vegetable lamb. The vegetable lamb. What a strange little thing it is. In around the 16th and 17th centuries, there was a belief that in the south of Russia, there lived a creature which was half lamb, half plant. And it was known as the vegetable lamb. And it was also referred to as a barometz. Hope I'm saying that right. Barometz. And it is described as a legendary zoophyte of Central Asia. Again, once believed to grow sheep as its fruit. And it was believed that these sheep were connected to the plant by an umbilical cord. And so it would grow from this plant and then it would graze the land around the plant. But then when all the accessible grass or foliage had been eaten, both the plant and the sheep died. So the sheep was always attached to this plant. It never just popped off and wandered away. It was always growing. And there are lots of historical illustrations and studies of the supposed vegetable lamb. And there are various poems about it as well. And in fact, I have a poem for you right here by Dr. Erasmus Darwin, who in his work, The Botanic Garden, 1781, writes of the Boromets, even round the pole the flames of love aspire, and icy bosoms feel the secret fire. Cradled in snow and fanned by arctic air, shines gentle boromets thy golden hair. Rooted in earth, each cloven foot descends, and round and round her flexile neck she bends. Crops the grey coral moss and hoary thyme, or laps with rosy tongue the melting rhyme. Eyes with mute tenderness her distant dam, and seems to bleat a vegetable lamb. (laughs) I don't know 
if it's supposed to be funny, but I find it really funny <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, the Garden Museum in London have a vegetable lamb. And let me tell you, it is uh, ugly. It's an oh. ugly little thing. It's, uh, it's this strange arrangement on a plinth of little mosses. Someone's put this together. I mean, it, I think it's, it was supposed to look like a genuine specimen, but I do believe that someone has fabricated this. Um, but it is like a, a little weird hairy creature that does, to some extent, look like a lamb. It could be described as a lamb. It's also some kind of weird, unknowable creature. <laughs> I'll I'll post a picture of this so everyone can see it. Um, it's kind of this weird, quite smallish brownie thing with a vague head and neck and body, and then it's got little legs. Um, <laughs> it could be described as as a lamb, I suppose. And the Garden Museum says that actually this is just the roots of a fern arranged to resemble the imagined creature. So, if the vegetable lamb ever was real, is real. Who can say? That brings us to the end of this week's episode of Things in Jars. Thank you very much for listening and we really hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we are going to be dipping into some interesting documents. We are going to be looking at some journals, some diaries. And we've already said that we're not allowed to talk about Dorothy's Grassmere Journal. Oh, I forgot we we had that rule. We are are allowed to talk about it, but we can't pick it because that would be too easy. Could we we pick another journal, but then also introduce a new segment just for this one episode only where we share our favourite Dorothy journal entry? Yes, let's do that. That'd be nice. Because they're usually really short. Oh, they can be quite long. Yeah, they can, but would we pick a long one? (laughs) No. Okay. Let's do that. So Dorothy will be coming to you next week, as will we, with some interesting journals and diaries. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Things in Jazz Podcast and on Twitter at Things in Jazz Pod. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating or a review. It really helps us to grow our platform and reach new people, and we really appreciate it. I'm Melissa. And I'm Poppy. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>